Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, everyone, we have a lot to get to on this episode of Holding Courts. Sorry, I've been on a little bit of a hiatus for the last uh, week or two. U.S. Open qualifying going on, which we covered on ESPN through uh, Tuesday through Friday. So it's sort of my first day off uh, all week. It's a Saturday, so it's a couple days before the U.S. Open. So I thought I'd bust out. A little U.S. Open preview. We spent a lot of our time this week on ESPN, of course, going over the draws and talking about that, but I thought it would make sense for me to do that. And it may be a little bit more detail, although we had plenty of time, so we got into lots of detail, actually, which was great. We just got to show the qualifying matches out at Flushing Meadows uh, and check in on some of the practices, some players, interview some players in a sort of more casual setting, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, COVID is obviously the restrictions are still happening, but not quite as draconian as they've, as they've been in the past. Of course, last year, you'll recall during the U.S. Open, there were no fans at all. So this year, they are planning on 100% capacity once the main draw starts. The qualifying is usually open to the public for free, with the USTA electing uh, not to let fans in. Uh, taking extra precautions uh, during the week leading up to the U.S. Open, which probably was a smart move, although I have many people in the New York area, of course, where I live, that uh, look forward to coming out to the qualifying because it is free, number one, but also just you get to roam around the grounds. It's not particularly crowded. You get to see some great young players, as we saw both in the men's and women's field, a couple of them whom uh, qualified. You get to see some uh, old-timers that are sort of on their last legs, like an Evo Karlovich, who, by the way, actually qualified, which is amazing. He's in his early 40s. He said that this is going to be his last tournament. So he's into the main draw. Uh, A guy like Holger Rune from Denmark, who's got some serious upside. And guess who he gets as a qualifier? Mr. Novak Djokovic. Uh, We had our big pro-am charity event for the Johnny Mac Tennis Project, which is part of our tennis academy here in New York City, where we raise money, scholarship funds to uh, fund our scholarship players. So we had that uh, just about a week ago. I want to thank everybody who participated in that, uh, all the players that donated money to be part of it, to play in the event. Also, all of the uh, coaches from Sport Time, which is a company that uh, uh, oversees all the programs that we run. So it was just a Herculean team effort. So I was quite busy with that as well leading up to that. We had Sam Query came out and joined us. Guillermo Cañas, who was a player back in my day, who, by the way, beat Roger Federer in back-to-back tournaments uh, back when Federer was in his prime. Cañas was from Argentina, is from Argentina, got to the final, uh, the top 10 in the world at one point. So He's a frequent uh, visitor to our academy on Randall's Island. So uh, anyway, that's all just to say that I've uh, been quite busy the last couple of weeks. So I have not been able to get to the podcast as often as I would like, but I expect that to change now 
with uh, the U.S. Open just about underway. By the way, my Raya sunglasses have been absolutely phenomenal. I uh, wore them all summer. I did a lot of teaching once Wimbledon ended this summer out at our club in Long Island. So I want to thank them for continuing to be a huge sponsor of this podcast. So, as I said before, by far the best sunglasses uh, for tennis that I've ever used. Wasn't a big sunglass guy back when I played on the tour, but if I was playing now, I'm not going to say I would for sure wear them, but I would seriously consider. But as a teacher now and as someone playing, you know, mostly not for fun, but, you know, I'm not running around as a professional, these are they're absolute game changer. The totally, I mean, the lenses on these glasses are absolutely amazing. When you put them on, it's like a whole new world. So uh, you got to check them out. Go to Raya Eyewear. That's R-I-A, eyewear.com. Um, and you can use the code PATRICK20 to get $20 off your first pair. Uh, trust me when I tell you, they are total game changers. Absolutely love them. So uh, I tweeted out uh, yesterday a couple of tweets last night, uh, informational tweets. Of course, they blew up on my phone, on my social media, because people were making assumptions. I just want to clear a couple things up. Number one, I was simply just putting out, this is vaccination stuff about the U.S. Open. The USTA announcing yesterday that in order to attend the U.S. Open, you must show proof uh, that you've been vaccinated. Now, I've been going to events here in New York City for the last couple of months, whether it was a Nick game, basketball game, which was actually way back in the spring, um, going to uh, live events like uh, concerts, you know, in relatively small venues uh, in New York City, and I had to show proof of my vaccine to get into a, a club down on one of the piers at uh, City Winery, it's called. Great spot, by the way. They have a great restaurant there, and I saw my buddy Brett Denon, who was on my podcast uh, last year, who was touring. So, uh, I mean, to me, not that surprising. It got a, I got a lot of pushback on social media. Obviously, I know this is a hot-button hot topic, no matter what. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do by the USTA to do it. It did come a little late. I guess they were holding off. I don't know the inner workings of, of what went on behind the scenes. I used to work for the USTA, as, as many of you know, who are tennis fans, running player development, but I've been out of the mix there for about five years. Uh, but I sort of know, you know, some of how the inner workings go there. Uh, so I'm guessing, not guessing, I, I mean, I know they're in negotiation, not negotiations, keeping information going between the city of New York, the state, you know, to, to pull this event off last year as the USTA did, with absolutely no fans and all the testing protocols and everything that had to happen last year was a Herculean effort. And the USA lost a ton of money, by the way, doing that because they lost all their um, revenue from ticket sales and obviously they lost a lot of sponsorship dollars and so on and so forth. So they're doing everything they can to run the event with fans, financial perspective, of course. I mean, they, they need the money to support all the things that they do. Uh, and put on the event. So I guess the city of New York uh, with the Delta variant uh, growing, I mean, I have the COVID uh, informational thing on my COVID alert New York on my phone. So I check it every day, even having nothing to do with the U.S. Open and see that the cases have been, you know, they've been steadily going up in the last um, couple of weeks. Uh, all counties in New York right now at percent tested positive 3.63%. Uh, back uh, earlier this summer, it was, you know, below 1%. 
Uh, so it shows you all the different counties in New York. Obviously, it has the, the Bronx, which is now at 2.49%. Uh, Manhattan, let's see when Manhattan's at, 2.05. So that's actually dropped in the last couple of days. Let's see where Queens is, which is where the U.S. Open is played. In Queens, 2.47. So it hasn't exploded, but uh, it's been going you know, very steadily up from less than 1% in a lot of places to you know, getting closer to two and a half, three percent, which is still a pretty, pretty low number. So that was number one. And then I put out that uh, as an employee of ESPN, which I am independent contractor more specifically, but I work for ESPN. I get paid by ESPN, which is, of course, owned by Disney. So Disney has made uh, plenty of public statements. I'm not talking out of school here that they uh, requiring their employees to be vaccinated. Uh, they didn't do that right away, but they've done it uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, I think we got the news on that when we were at Wimbledon that that was going to happen. It didn't happen, by the way, to work at Wimbledon. You didn't have to show proof. You had to show proof of, uh, did I have to show proof to get to England? Yeah, I think I did. Uh, anyway, I just put it out there. Uh, and then some people, I guess, uh, took my uh, tweet to mean that I wasn't vaccinated or that I was against it or, you know, reading into it, uh, which, uh, first of all, let me just say I am vaccinated. I didn't get, I didn't get vaccinated uh, to, so that I could continue to work for ESPN. I got vaccinated because uh, as soon as it became available to me as a 55-year-old, I was 54 at the time, uh, along with my wife, when they said 50 and over can get it, we immediately booked our appointment and got vaccinated at the Westchester County Center. We live in Westchester, New York, uh, not far from New York City. Uh, as soon as my three children could get vaccinated, they did as well. I've got three daughters, 15, 12, and 12. So, uh, you know, doing, do, doing what, what I think is right. I mean, I know there's a lot of information out there that some people are against it and don't put this stuff in my body, including, I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's a, it's a, it, I mean, people, you may not care at all what, what I do. And I, I totally understand that. Uh, just giving you my information, I, I'm not making this a huge issue, but it is an issue when it comes to what I see on social media, as far as the players are concerned, because the players, uh, the tennis professional tennis players do not have to be vaccinated to play in the U.S. Open. And, of course, many of them have stated publicly, including Novak Djokovic and Stefano Tsitsipas, that they have no intention. They don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want to put something in their body that they don't, you know, quote-unquote, know enough about. I mean, you hear that uh, argument from many people in this country uh, and around the world. Uh, and uh, a lot of the players from Eastern Europe uh, don't, don't necessarily have the same trust in their government. Apparently, a lot of people around here don't have the trust in the government that they're giving you something that's going to help you. Uh, I do. I mean, I do. I mean, I know, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist one way or the other. Uh, I mean, I, I listen, I try to listen to both sides. I try to get as much medical information as I can. I talk to my doctors. Uh, I, I don't know one person who's who that I know. I mean, I've read the stories and I've seen some of this stuff on social media uh, about some people who get it and get, you know, horrendous side effects. I don't know one, I know a lot of people in my area, most people in my area have gotten the vaccine. I don't know one person that's had any serious complications from getting them. Again, that's not to say that it doesn't happen and it's never happened. I guess it happens with any vaccine that you could get. Uh, so anyway, put it out on social media. I just want to talk about it just because it got such a reaction, um, 
when I put out those couple of tweets. So I was in no way saying that I'm uh, not vaccinated. I am vaccinated. I got vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine in March, and I got my second shot in mid-April. If I have to get another one, you know, I'll wait to see what the professionals tell me. And uh, I don't trust government for everything, but something like this, I do trust government. So you want to you take shots at me? Take shots at me. Do whatever you got to do. All right, let's get down to the uh, U.S. Open situation because, uh, you know, clearly they're not going to be able to force the players at this point to get vaccinated, okay, uh, to play in the tournament. And uh, that's going to be a big issue moving forward for tennis, I think, around the world. And, and, and obviously one of the difficulties for tennis um, that uh, is different from other sports like the NFL or the NBA is – uh, you know, you can't control the players in the same way. I mean, you've got legality, you know, there's a union and in, in those, in those others, in the team sports are represented by the players union. So you know, you know that when the NFL says, you know, players, well, by the way, they, they haven't mandated that players have to be vaccinated, but they made it extremely difficult that if you're not vaccinated, you know, you have to go through a lot more protocols and testing and masking and so on and so forth. So uh, it sounds like most of the players in the NFL have been vaccinated. There are a few. I was on a radio show just this week on ESPN radio. I I sat in and um, participated with uh, Alan Hahn and Keyshawn Johnson on the show on uh, ESPN from 6 to 10 a.m. And, you know, the Cam Newton story had just broken that uh, he had some testing issues and he went to see a doctor out of state and so therefore you make the assumption that he's not vaccinated. You're not allowed to say that, you know, directly because you're not supposed to know for sure. Um, but again, uh, players in tennis have been pretty vocal, a lot of them, that they're not vaccinated, some American players as well. So uh, they are allowed to play. They obviously have to go through more uh, protocols if they're not vaccinated. And it's going to be trickier, I believe, moving forward as uh, the FDA, at least in this country, has um, you know, said that uh, they've, they've given confirmation on the vaccine uh, approval, that it's, uh, it's okay. I mean, I'm, we all took it for the last six months, so thank you for that. came a little late, but I guess they dopped their I's and crossed their T's, and people wanted to know why it didn't happen earlier, I guess because they're trying to trying to do the right thing, I get, well, let's hope, right? Um, so, well, the Moderna one, that one should, I guess, likely be uh, also given the, the full stamp of FDA approval relatively soon. Meanwhile, for the tennis players, uh, uh, the Australian Open, just to put it out there, uh, you know, they've got some major issues down there with, you know, continuing to force people to quarantine when they come back into the country, whether they're Australian citizens or not. Um, I don't think that's going to fly with the professional tennis players. Uh, I'm not even sure they're going to let players in the country that aren't vaccinated. But again, who knows how that's going to play out. They obviously pulled it off last year. They also spent a fortune, did the Australian uh, Tennis Federation, to make the event happen. Uh, so it's going to be, you feel like it, there's going to be more, you, know, you see more companies basically saying you have to get vaccinated in order to work, right? I mean, that's, that's becoming more and more common. So uh, you just wonder how that's going to play out in a professional sport like tennis where you're dealing with <clears throat> players from all over the world. And, you know, unlike players in the NBA, of course, they come from other parts of the world too, uh, some of them, but they then play for a team that's, you know, owned and 
managed by a, a U.S. entity, a person, what have you. So tennis is a little more complicated, more like golf in that sense that uh, you've got basically individual contractors from all over the world. So Novak Djokovic is a huge favorite to win the tournament. Uh, everybody knows that. I, I happen to think he's uh, not as big of a favorite as he was at Wimbledon. I said that multiple times. I think Wimbledon, he dominates uh, even more than he does on a hard court. Uh, he's a great grass court player. He's obviously a great hard court player as well. But I think there's more players. The, the other top young guys are much better on hard court. So whereas on grass, I don't think, you know, whether it's Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Zverev, those, those are the three guys that I think have the best chance to beat them. Whereas on grass, I, don't, I think they almost have no, not no chance, but very small chance to beat him on a grass court. Very small because he just, he, Djokovic is so much more comfortable on grass than they are. Now on a hard court, obviously Novak's the greatest hard court player likely we've ever seen. I mean, look at his Australian Open results. U.S. Open, he's um, had more of his ups and downs. He's had some, some all-time matches, including, of course, the comeback win over Federer. You know, Nadal's beaten him a couple of times. Murray beat him in the final here. You know, he's been picked off here and there um, at the U.S. Open, more so than the Australian. Why, do, why has that happened? I think the conditions are a little more unpredictable in New York. The ball bounces a little bit more, a little higher. Uh, you've got wind. You've got extreme heat. Yes, you have some of that in Australia, but not quite as much. You definitely don't have the wind as much of a factor. The balls don't bounce all over the place, particularly in hotter conditions, as they do here. And remember, in Australia... I mean, if Djokovic, you know, I mean, anyone, you win, you win seven matches to win the Australian Open. I mean, he's playing at least five of those at night, at least, maybe six, um, because uh, they really shift their matches, you know, their big, their big stars towards the night matches there. So the night conditions are even more predictable as far as the bounce of the ball, um, you know, the, the cleanliness of the strike that you can get on the ball is even better uh, when you're playing at night in Australia. So anyway, that's one reason I think why he's um, more dominant there. So you look at his draw at the Open, as I said uh, on ESPN this week, I don't think there's anyone in the first week that can threaten him. I mean, GoFans, a seed, he's not 100% healthy. Nishikori's in his section. He's been a bunny for Djokovic even when Nishikori was, was at his, his peak, you know, a top seven, top eight player, but he's not that anymore. Di Minora, Karetsev. You know, Karetsev's a guy that had that amazing run in Australia to get to the semis. He's a 21 seed now, so he's backed up his year. Um, yeah, I could see him getting through to the round of 16. Uh, Di Minora's been struggling all summer. He's got Fritz in the first round. Then you've got, you know, in the quarters, potentially Berrettini, who's a six seed, but we've been watching him practice this week. He looks a little, uh, I don't know, something's wrong with his leg. Doesn't look 100%. So I'd be surprised to see him get through. Fognini, the other Italian, the veteran, is also in this section. Hercac, uh, Sonegas, or Sonega, Lorenzo Sonega. Actually, he could actually be the guy. I could see Sonega getting through, or Sonego, however we pronounce it, get through because uh, I like the way he looks. He's a good hardcourt player. He's young. Um, I could see that. But again, I don't think any of those guys, if Berrettini was 100%, He's the only guy in that quarter that I think could threaten Djokovic on a hard court in best of five sets. I think where it gets interesting is the semis, where Zverev, you expect to be there. He's got Query in the first round. 
query was, by the way, great. Thank you, Sam, for showing up at our event and helping uh, us raise the money for our scholarship kids. He was awesome. Uh, but I don't think Sam's ready to give Zverev too much trouble in that opening round. Zverev's looked great this summer, winning the Olympics, winning the gold, winning in uh, Cincinnati as well. So he's a favorite, but not easy. I mean, you got some big-time players in that quarter. You've got Monfils, the veteran who's played pretty well this year. Sinner, the young Italian, is in there. Karenia Busta, who's always tough at the U.S. Open. Opelka, who, by the way, I'm picking as my dark horse to make a run. You've got Sebastian Corda in this section as well. You've got Hachinov, who had a great Olympic run to win the silver medal. Shapovalov. So all of those, all of those guys are in the potentially in the Zverev way to get to the semifinal. So that's maybe the most interesting quarter of the men's draw is uh, who can come through there. I think it'll be Zverev because I think he's, he's confident. He looks relaxed despite his off-court stuff that's going on with, um, you know, the article is written, the second one in Slate, about his uh, abuse of his ex-girlfriend. Obviously, tremendously serious topic. Uh, it's just, again, I mean, there's, no, there's been no formal charges brought against him. Uh, he made a statement saying that he's hired lawyers both in Germany and the U.S. to uh, sort of go after this young lady. Now, of course, we're all we've all seen in the last couple of years that we should listen to people that uh, that women, especially that that bring these things to the forefront. Uh, so we're listening to her. If she's right, she's right. Uh, but again, it's it's not something I feel like it's it's kind of hard to know where to go with it. You can't just say you know kicks her out of the tournament. Um, because it hasn't gone, you know, to that next level. Uh, so anyway, I don't think it's going to affect his play during the tournament. We'll see how it goes throughout, um, you know, if, the, if there's more attention on throughout the rest of the tournament. Back to the bottom now, to the bottom half of the draw, Medvedev, the two seed. He's got Gasquet first. Chilich is in his first, is, would be his first seed. Chilich, despite having won this title years ago, um, is lucky to be well, not lucky. He's seated, but he's he's thirty seed, so I don't see him making a big run. Dimitrov, Dan Evans, both of those guys struggling a little bit. You've got Isner, Casper Rude is the seed, who's the eight seed. Believe it or not, amazing year he's had, particularly on clay. But he played well on hard courts uh, up in Canada, I think, this summer. So he, uh, I'm not sure he's going to like the fast courts that much, but. Uh, fairly wide open. You got Schwartzman, who's the 11 seed. He could be a guy who could get through to Medvedev in the quarters. Uh, he's potentially got Isner in the third round, so that would be the long and the short of it, as Brad Gilbert would say, if they meet in the third rounds. Five foot, what is he? Schwartzman six or seven against six eleven Isner. Isner's got Nakashima though, who they played a couple of very tight matches this summer. One of the young Americans who's come on this summer along with Jensen Brooksby. And, and Nakashima beat Isner once, lost to him once, both matches very tight. So I would expect that one, uh, I mean, to be tight. Um, so I'd probably lean Isner, but I'm not leaning that hard in that direction. Then we've got Rublev. He's the five seed. You've got Sitsipas, the three seed. They're in the same quarter. Ojeh Aliasim's in there as well, who had a good run at Wimbledon, played well in Cincinnati. He's got Uncle Tony, as in Tony Nadal, with him joining the team. You've got Kyrgios, Batista Agut in that section. Kyrgios, we interviewed him on ESPN during this week. Not, I'm not going to uh, – he doesn't sound particularly optimistic about making a huge run um, here at the U.S. Open, best of five. And obviously that's a tough one right out of the gates against Batista. If I had to pick 
you know, probably I think it's going to be Sitsipas Medvedev. I mean, those two and those two guys, you know, they played some tight matches. Sitsipas beat him at the French in the semis uh, on a hard court. He maybe give a slight edge to Medvedev, but very, very close. Uh, I'm picking Medvedev to win it. Uh, that's my pick. You know, who the heck knows? I mean, Djokovic, is, as we all know, is a huge favorite going for the slam. I think I've, I've just felt this summer, I don't know why, that Djokovic is going to get picked off somehow at the Open. He did get picked off at Wimbledon. I mean, not at Wimbledon, at the Olympics um, by Zverev, even though he's up a set in the break, but then sort of rolled, rolled over in those last two sets, three and one with the last two sets. Obviously, best of five is going to be a different story. Uh, he'll be more focused and more motivated here at the U.S. Open, Djokovic, than, believe it or not, than he was at the Olympics. I think he felt like he had to go to the Olympics because to represent his country. It looked like he enjoyed himself. He, you know, he's a superstar, so he was taking a lot of pictures, a lot of selfies with other athletes. But uh, exhausting. I mean, you know, to go fr- straight from the French, where it's an incredible run for him to win that, to beat Rafa and then to beat Sitsipas in those two matches in the last two days, then to go to Wimbledon. He, didn't, he never really got physically that tested at Wimbledon, but uh, just to, you know, the mental part of it, to just to stay the course and uh, play as well as he did. And then obviously Berrettini took a set off of him the first set in the, in the final, but then he rolled the last three sets. You know, and then I was surprised he actually went to the Olympics. I, I, I didn't think he'd even go. But he did go, um, and then he elected to not play some of this, you know, the summer tournaments here. He usually plays at least one or two, so that wasn't surprising. So I think he's in a pretty good frame of mind. We've seen him practicing all week long. Uh, even came to our tennis academy. Doing, you know, we had that crazy rain for a couple of days, uh, uh, seven to nine. He came one night to practice there. Uh, so. Again, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. There'll be some twists and turns. We should mention it'll be Murray, Andy Murray, the former champ, taking on Sitsipas. That'll be uh, a night match. I think Actually, I think it's during the day on Monday uh, on Arthur Ashe Stadium. So that's how I see the men's field uh, coming. Uh, it's going to be Medvedev. Does he beat Joker in the finals? I could see Zverev beating Joker. I'm not ready to totally make that prediction yet. But we will see how it pans out. On to the women's side. All right, before I get to the women's singles draw this year's U.S. Open, I want to remind you about uh, True. Drink True. Okay, T-R-U. Unbelievable drinks. I started getting them uh, this summer from my man, Jack McNamara, who started this company in New York. They make the stuff in New Hampshire, built it in Massachusetts, so it's all American. Uh, the drinks are phenomenal. Whether you're in the classroom, the weight room, the boardroom, the bedroom, this, these drinks are unreal. It's all different flavors. The energy drink, orange mango, true focus drink, apple kiwi, the true power drink, watermelon, the true defend drink, which is with pineapple, the rescue drink, blackberry, the true dream drink, cherry. I, I've had them all. I mean, they're all unbelievable. Absolutely. There's just a tiny bit of sugar in them. But they've got all these different antioxidants and great stuff, vitamin, ginger, echinacea, um, Korean pear, electrolytes. You get the true dream drink for the chill out at night, the chamomile to uh, put you in a mellow mood. Anyway, absolutely love these. They call them function with fizz because I love, I always love sparkling water drinks. I have tons of different sparkling waters. And the great thing about the drink, the true 
is that they have just that little bit of sugar. Because I always get that, that, that tiny bit, not a lot, just a tiny bit to give it that extra flavor. So you get 30% off the site-wide with the code Patrick or Saints. They'll go with Patrick at drinktrue.com. Okay, this is for, all, for everything you get, all the drinks, subscriptions, one-time purchases, gear, whatever you want. Again, go to drinktrue.com. That's drinktrue.com. All right, the women's field. I mean, it's Ash Barty, the top seed, and she's a solid favorite. I mean, may, I, I got to go back for a couple of years, but she might be the biggest favorite in a women's major for a couple of years. I mean, you'd think Serena, you know, uh, you know, I guess since Serena gave birth, she's been up there, but she's never been like a huge favorite. But Barty's a very solid favorite. I mean, uh, and you look at, and you, you realize why, because she won Wimbledon, uh, won again uh, this summer in Cincinnati. The courts, everybody's saying, playing pretty similar in Cincinnati, pretty quick, low bounce. And, of course, her slice backhand is tremendous. Her all-court game serves well, moves well, great forehand, uses the slice. So she's, uh, as a top seed, you got to like her draw. I mean, Benchich is potentially in there who won the Olympic gold. So she looks confident. She's the 11 seed. Jennifer Brady's a 13 seed. Actually, she's supposed to play Barty in the round of the third round, or is that the round of, round of 16? But I don't know. Brady, they're saying uh, not 100% healthy. Um, so looking unlikely that she's going to get through. She's got Raducanu, by the way, in the opening round. Remember Emma Raducanu had the great run at Wimbledon and then pulled out. Uh, mid-match of one of her matches. But she qualified here and looked really, really impressive. Um, Muhova is another one in this section. Cerebe's Torbo, who's had a really good year. She's unseated, very dangerous. So pretty wide open as far as who will get to Barty in that uh, fourth-round match. Uh, Jessica Pagula is in this section as well as far as a quarterfinal potential opponent. The seed in there is Iga Sviantek of Poland. She's the seven-seed. Um, lo I love her game. I mean, I love her physicality. I love her speed. Wicked topspin off both sides. Not sure the the quick conditions are going to be great for her. Contevaint, who had a big uh, tournament just uh, leading into the U.S. Open. She's in there. A lot of really good players in this section. So hard to predict who's going to get through that. I mean, you'd like to see a Sviantek-Barty uh, matchup in the quarters. We'll see how that plays out. Pliskova is the four seed, so she'd be the seed um, to meet uh, Barty in the semifinals. Andrescu, who uh, is at six. I don't know how she's still six. I guess they're still using the, the you know, because the points from a couple years ago are still on. That's going to start to end soon. I know it's ending on the men's side. Kvitova, the 10 seed, has never played very well in New York. Pavlichenkova, who had the great run to... Uh, the French Open final is a 14 seed. Bedosa from Spain. A lot of good players in that section. I, I, I'm going to say that. That's Sakari. I mentioned her. She's a 17 seed. Very, very fit. Uh, who do I pick to get through to the semis? Well, Pliskova had a good run, you know, in Canada. Lost to Georgie in the final. Of course, she had the run in uh, Wimbledon to the final. Lost to one of set-off party. Brad Gilbert had a good line for us so during the, the week. So, you know, anytime you expect Pliskova to do well, that's when she doesn't do well. When you don't expect it, 
um, she does it. So maybe the expectations gets her. I don't know. I mean, she's certainly playing well. She's kind of taking on Katie McNally in the first round. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Pliskova. I think, I, you know, but again, it's a sh- it, it's, it's almost like a pick em, this section because there's, there's so many players in this section that are really good. Um, and it's, it's to me, it's, it's unpredictable, but I'll go with Pliskova. All right, bottom half, you've got the two seed is Sabalenka, who had her first big run in a major this summer at Wimbledon, making the semis. Uh, two seed is high for her. Uh, can she back it up? Probably not. Collins, Danielle Collins is in her, qu- in her quarter for a third round match. She's a 26 seed, played well on the hard courts this summer. I could see that being, in- that'd be a slugfest. Collins against Sabalenka, um, that would be intense because Collins brings a lot of intensity. Obviously, so does Sabalenka, a lot of firepower to that match. I went with Jabor, by the way, who's in this section where she could meet Sabalenka in the th- what's that, the fourth round. Yeah, one, two, fourth round. Mertens is in there. I actually went with Jabor. I just love her all-around game. I could see her. Make it. By the way, they, uh, we do dark horse picks, so anyone outside the top 10 to make a run. So I, I picked Medvedev, and then I picked uh, Osaka to win the women's tournament. I'll get to her in a second. Uh, and then you pick someone outside the top 10 that you think can you know, make a run, whatever that run is, quarter, semis. You know, you, they never win it. But I was on it this year at Wimbledon. I picked Hercouch to make a run. He got through the semis, so I looked like a genius. Normally, of course, I'm way off. By the way, I picked Opelka on the men's side to make the run, I think, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, other part of this uh, quarter of the draw, you got Muguruza in there, Azarenka, you know, two players that have had success in majors. Azarenka's been to a couple of U.S. Open finals. Uh, I'd probably go with Muguruza there to get through that. Uh, Krajikova is the eight seed, so she actually, by seed, would be the seed to get through uh, to the quarters to meet Sabalenka. So, you know, if you go by the seeds, I've got Jabor there. Uh, you've got, uh, who else in this section? Uh, Muguruza, Krajikova. Um, eh, we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go with uh, Jabor to get through the semis. Jabor, and then I'm going Osaka. Okay, I know she's got a lot of question marks. She's been obviously dealing with the mental health stuff and bringing that to the forefront. She seems a little bit more at, I'm not going to say at peace, but an ease would be too strong a word, but she's dealing with it. And she had a press conference here where she seemed to be handling it fine. And she didn't, you know, if she said, if she could have done it all over again, she might've done a little bit differently because she didn't realize how much attention it would get. But overall, it's you know very positive what she did, but she's the one that has to deal with it and handle it. So she hasn't played great. Since that happened, she did play the Olympics, played in Cincinnati where she had a good win over uh, Coco Goff, who I think, by the way, can make a run as well. I've, for some reason, I didn't mention Oh, she's in this part of the draw. That's why I didn't mention her. She potentially could play Osaka, uh, but she would have to get past Kerber, uh, Keys, and Sloan Stevens. How about that for a first round? The final from, what, 2017, I believe it was. Madison Keys and Sloan Stevens, both unseated. So the winner of that will play Goff, although she plays Lynette, who's not bad, from Poland. Uh, and then the winner of that will play Kerber, who looks like she's you know found her game again after her good run at Wimbledon, likes the quick card courts here, has won the U.S. Open before. Halep Svitolina uh, in the top part of this section. Uh, where you know, So one of those players, well, Osaka will have to go through a couple of those. Either Goff or Kerber, you would expect, 
uh, in the fourth round. And then the quarters, you're looking at Halep, who's got some major injury issues coming in, who plays Georgie in the first round. Georgie, uh, Camila Georgie from Italy, had the biggest win of her career just this summer in Canada, winning the big tournament there. Svitolina, you know, she's been knocking on the door. Kazakina's in this section. Rubikina or Rubakina. Uh, I always hear that pronounced differently every time I hear it. Uh, Svitolina got married to Le Mans to Monfils. They looked like they had a great summer um, uh, tying the knot. Uh, she won the uh, bronze at the Olympics, which was huge for her country, for Ukraine. First tennis medal they ever won. Uh, anyway, I'm going with Osaka. There, lo- Obviously, we'd love to see Osaka Goff again because Goff uh, moves the needle from a television standpoint and a buzz standpoint. Uh, and then as far as Halep, you know, if she can, you know, if she can get healthy for the, you know, Darren Kaler coach who works with us at ESPN said, Hey, you know, she can get through the first week. She likes the conditions here and she likes the fast courts, but uh, she's been nicked up since, uh, really the middle of the spring when she uh, had some issues. Svitolina looks pretty strong. She's a five seed. I'm going with Osaka to win it all. I think uh, the New York crowd will rally around her. Um, and I think that uh, when she plays well uh, on a hard court, she's the best hard court player. I mean, Osaka Barty would be an unbelievable final. I mean, that that I that I would love to see. So I hope you uh, all enjoyed this episode of Holding Court. I went over a little longer, but it's the U.S. Open, so it is time. Enjoy the Open. I'll be trying to get a few more of these out during the next couple of weeks when I'm not on the air with ESPN. Hopefully I can wrangle my bro Johnny Mack and maybe some other ESPN people that come on uh, enjoy the tournament if you're in the New York area I hope you can come out but you will have to show your proof of vaccination Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media Mudhouse Media